GM listener, and welcome to the fifth Crypto Corner episode of the Metacast. My name is Nico, or Nicolas Vreke, it's my full name. And today I'm joined by Owen So, and then Ryan Fu. So today we're taking a deep dive into um, Wolf Game. Wolf Game uh, suddenly came out of nowhere, got super hyped, everyone was jumping on. Um, and so yeah, we're taking a deep dive. We're uh, gonna see like where it came from, um, what the, the the game systems are, why it's so popular, uh, and and what we can learn from it, and where we see it going. Uh, before we do that, before we dive in, let's get to know each other a little bit. So I know Owen because he writes smart things for Navix Master the Meta newsletter. But maybe Owen, you can share a bit more about yourself for the audience. Yep. Hello. Hello. So yeah, uh, thanks for the intro, Nico. And uh, definitely glad to be on this on this podcast talk about um, Wolf Game and and NFTs and uh, crypto gaming. So as Nico said, I, I write for Master the Meta, but usually on the uh, China side. So I'm a China consultant helping game studios go into China and helping Chinese studios um, understand the world abroad. But uh, given recent regulations in China, um, the deal flow has been really slow. So I've Changed my focus more on the NFT gaming side. And Wolf Game obviously popped out of nowhere, caught everyone's attention. And yeah, happy to uh, deep dive into that one. Awesome. I recently heard, so there was a, a major crackdown of China on crypto in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I heard that there's still huge demand for you know crypto gaming. Is that true in China? Um, I would say it's on the down low. There's huge demand for crypto in general, if you can mm-hmm. get it. And if you've, if, if, if you've already been in it, then you are doing it either uh, exchanges of China or that you already have some crypto and you still want to spend that, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, within China, yeah, within China, no, it's, it's very hard. Uh, you cannot buy crypto, spend crypto. Um, if you buy NFTs, I think there are some NFT things popping up uh, by Tencent and Alibaba, but you can only buy the NFTs with Renminbi, with the fiat currency. I think it's not entirely promoted or endorsed to make crypto games in China. Yeah, mm. there might be Chinese companies making crypto games outside of China. So you're saying this mm. as a as a sort of uh, an individual going about, I wouldn't be able to install like MetaMask and load up Ethereum into the wallet. That would not be something that's simple. Of course you can if you have the right VPN. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you have the right no, VPN. Yeah. Fair, yes. Fair. Yeah. yeah. But basically no, that's not the the de facto thing to do, no? No, 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 yeah. no. Uh it's it's okay. definitely not. It's definitely not. Okay. Walking around London you see advertisements for cryptocurrencies. So top signal yeah. who knows <laughs> <laughs> man yeah. I, I was sitting on the so I was in London two weeks ago where I met Brian by the way and um, the amount of subway advertisements for not necessarily only crypto but just like trading and, and stock buying um, really crazy really crazy and uh, yeah it feels toppy to me uh, I agree um, but yeah but before we, so you, you already heard you know some smart remarks by Ryan he was on the pod a few episodes ago um, Ryan quickly for those of um, the audience who don't know you. Um, could you tell a bit more about yourself? Yeah. So um, I'm Ryan. I'm currently a game economist with Delphi Digital. Um, we are leading crypto or digital asset research firm. And we write institutional great reports. That's DelphiDigital.io. And I am based in Singapore. So what I was working on before was working on our own play-to-earn games. Right? I was a game designer, game developer, also did some community management as every soft play to earn developer has to do. And mm-hmm. before that, I was working at um, voice games startup based in SF. Even before that, had some experience working with blockchain VCs and yeah, a short stint with Kyber Network. So a lot of like going around having fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's been a really cool journey and yeah, like getting to do this is awesome. So yeah, nice mm-hmm. to be on the pod and discuss more games and more on-chain games, which is, I think, an area of interest, for sure. Yes, I agree. And I think Owen agrees too. Uh, by the way, I just read the um, Delphi piece on layer ones, layer twos, and scaling. And that thing is 40 pa- 14 pages, one four pages of absolute dense knowledge, easy to understand, well-explained, absolutely fantastic. So, um, yeah, I don't know... Uh, yeah, that's definitely worth a read if you can. That's Jan. Let's go. 
yeah, yeah one of the leading experts good. in yeah L1s and L2s so nice things we got like 70 people just like all of their own areas of expertise so mm. like I'm focusing on like game economies play to earn play and earn but you know we have folks who are looking purely at DeFi we have folks looking purely at guilds and DAO infrastructure so it's it's really interesting to have like all that in one place yeah yeah 70 folks Del- sick Delphi is definitely GMI <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's um, let's start talking about this wolf game thing. I've um, ac- I've on purpose been avoiding reading too much about it, so I can you know be empty-headed on this, ask all the stupid questions, uh, which is basically my job as as a podcast host here anyway. Um, and um, yeah, I would love to to learn how everything works, and then we can we can jam and, and see what we can learn from it. So, Ryan, what is wolf game and how does it work? Yeah, so wolf game is a it's an on-chain game. I believe they launched in November. Correct me if I'm wrong, Owen. Uh, yes, yeah, November so, uh, 17, 19. November, November 19? Yeah. Yep, so the, yep, November 19. Thank you. So it's interesting because um, it, it launched on the Ethereum blockchain, which uh, is very expensive on gas. Yes, so it, it did clog up gas for a while when it launched. But the base wolf game, so it's, it first started as a base wolf game, a wolf game 1.0. The base wolf game is an asymmetric game that's played completely on chain, right? So it's set up to have two classes of players. So when you enter into the game, you're able to mint uh, these game characters. At the start, it was either sheep, which would be the prey, or wolves, which would be the predators, right? So players, or people like you and I, can come in and we can pay to mint the first 10,000 game characters by interacting the smart contract and calling the mint function. So the first... you know, 10, Quick question, sorry. Yes. I'm probably going to be interrupting you. Can you choose whether to mint a sheep or a wolf? No. It When a game character is minted, you actually has a 90% chance of being a sheep and a 10% chance of being a wolf in the base game. Okay. But all okay. the interesting thing is all of these are variables that you can change right, and tweak if, if you deploy your own fox of wolf game. Right. So the first. Okay. So, so wait. Yep. So that impl- that implies. Sorry, I'm gonna. Sorry. Yeah. We're gonna be have, have a lot of interruptions. I apologize in advance. But that implies. So there's a wolf game smart contract which has these parameters, which is, ten percent chance to mint a wolf, ninety percent chance to mint a sheep. You could like I could, fork or like just copy the the, the code base yep. and change that parameter in my own game and call it alien and predator game for example. Yep. Whatever. Um, yeah. Okay. With different, like, not 2080, for example. Yeah, okay. alien, alien humans, it could be like, you know, you have a 99% yeah, yeah, chance yeah. of being a human and 1% chance of being an alien, right? And then you can yeah. sort of explore the dynamics of, you know, players sort of saying, hey, well, I'm an alien, you know? And, like, you, they create alien discords and all this kind of crazy, crazy stuff to coordinate, right? So it's kind of interesting there. Um, yeah, so uh, when I wrote, a, I wrote a Twitter thread about this, so I'm quite literally reading from this. But a uh, nice... Nice thing. Um, why a reason why I put um, so in Twitter thread I write like the first X characters cost Y to mint, right? So X. So all these the idea is that all these are variables that you can then substitute, right? Just like mm-hmm. you know X is ten thousand characters and Y, well the cost to mint is zero point zero six nine four twenty Ethereum. Um, that was an original wolf game. Very interesting choice of numbers. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a very good <laughs> choice of numbers. Okay, yeah, God. yeah, very <laughs> fortuitous. Yeah. So, so wait, zero zero six nine four twenty for the first how many? Ten thousand. And then and then afterwards they have to use this uh, ERC twenty called wool dollar wool. Yeah. So we can talk about that in a minute. Yeah. So now we've established that these two game characters and players come in and they mint, right? So they pay initial Ethereum cost that goes to the wolf game treasury. So players can then stake these game characters. They can stake their wolves, they can stake their sheep. And so there is utility for staking them. So they do use the word staking, but what they really mean is just locking it up within the smart contract. So there's no kind of security function that uh, these sheep or staking these sheep or wolves provides to the overall smart contract, right? So staking a sheep, creates a new faucet of wool. So now D, D is in a variable, a variable number of wool per day actually enters into the game game economy, right? So 10,000 wool per day is generated per sheep state, right? And and yeah. that D, that number of wool that is brought into the game is defined in a smart contract. It's not based on how many sheep are staked, for example. Yep, it's defined as smart contract. So you say 10,000 uh, each, when you stake the sheep, it generates 10,000 wool. 
And if you have 10,000 sheep, each sheep stake, like owner of a, a stake sheep gets one wool per day. Is that is that it? Nope. It's uh, each okay. sheep just 10,000 wool. Ah, okay, yep. okay, I see, I see, I see. So the but more it, sheep that are staked, the higher the inflation of wool. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So so wool is used within the game. So this is the base game, right? So uh, Owen, please correct me if uh, there's any errors. Yeah. So wool is wool is used within the game to generate new characters after the first 10,000. So 10,000 characters are generated using Eve, right? But the rest are on a bonding curve that uses wool instead. So the next 10,000 costs 20,000 wool. What does a bonding curve mean? Yep. A bonding curve means that uh, the price increases over time, or uh, increases with the total amount minted, right? Or changes okay. with the total amount minted. It's just a fancy word for saying that. A fancy word yeah. for saying like the, you know, um, the price changes with the amount minted. So the first 10,000 costs an if, the next 10,000 costs 20,000 wool, the next 20,000 after that costs 40,000 wool, and the final 10,000 are to cost 80,000 wool, right? So this is interesting because it boots Trevor's value for the ERC20 wool. So players who want to enter into this wolf game actually have to buy wool, buy wool or buy sheep slash wolf from other players, right? So in order to generate new characters, they actually need this token. So here's other, you know, parameters that you can set. Like sheep stop generating wool at 2.4 billion generated. The developers receive 600 million wool and have 2 billion to use as community rewards, right? So they've really set up like a very kind of a wide... Um, pool set aside for in order to distribute to you know for community incentives and the like not to like evolve the game as they wish as the developer wishes so, right yeah if i understand this correctly ryan uh, before you continue so there is um, a constant supply of wool being generated through the smart contract because players stake their sheep yeah um, but next to that there was a very large pool of wool which is under control of the developers of the game that they then they can use that for whatever they want, um, and like, what do you think they'll they'll be using that for? Yeah, so um, this is a good question. So on the developer side, um, one thing that we see is that by having a control of this wool, they can actually perform open market operations for wool. So, for example, if wool they, they believe that wool is overinflated um, for the gameplay experience, I'm sorry, um, there's there's not enough wool in the marketplace, right? They could know provide sell wool into the liquidity pool um, yeah. and then like uh let's say there's liquidity pool between like wool and ethereum right uh, on sushi or, or uniswap right so as a player you can actually track what the developers are doing and so you can actually know whether they consider wool to be overvalued or undervalued yeah. exactly yes there's another sort of meta gameplay layer there um that's a good point but, yeah, a, but the devs don't have the wool now right the devs the devs, uh, the the six hundred million will only unlock when the wool supply of two point four billion is reached. Interesting. Yeah. That's that's a good. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And so, two point four billion, you're saying, right? And so, there never will be more than three billion wool. Is is that what you're saying as well? My understanding is this: five billion. So two ah, billion. Five. Two billion is the com- <laughs> two billion is the community rewards. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, uh, also, also unlocked after two point four billion has been reached. Okay, unlocked only. So basically, you have a total supply, max supply of 5 billion wool. Um, 2.4 billion of that is generated through staking sheep. Um, 600 million of that is in the hands of the developers and can only be used once that 2.4 billion threshold is reached. And the 2 billion remaining is community. Um, same thing, only available when, when that total... Yeah, it says uh, it will be allocated. Exactly. So, yeah, so 2.4 has been reached. 6 million goes to developer. 2 billion goes to community. Ah, yeah. yeah. And and, and uh, how how does that community... So it goes to community. What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, it would be good to ask the... Yeah, it would be good to ask. I, I mean, just like every kind of game white paper, community rewards, yeah. play to earn. <laughs> yeah, 45% of tokens, play to earn. Yeah. No, yeah. no. Uh, all jokes aside, yeah, I, I guess it, it really is uh, you know, up to the developers how they aim to kind of distribute this uh, these wool, to incentivize like different types of actions that would improve the gameplay experience overall. Like, you know, perhaps they could end up, um, you know, wanting music, right, within the game. Or they just acquire a real free-to-play company. 
<laughs> with the yeah. money. Yeah, they could acquire a whole free-to-play company with the, with the money. They could. It's, you could really go go wild here. They could acquire like a whole plot of land in real life, yep. where you know they they would have actual wolves and sheep. Nah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, community Dude, rewards. We, we we don't do IRL stuff, sir. <laughs> It's only virtual. So, if it's not the metaverse, don't even talk about it. So metaverse only. No, so I'm, I'm all about uh, you know a digital, right? Phys- physical. But but doesn't that mean? So I'm just thinking this through, right? We ha- we currently have sheep generating wool um, up to a certain point, and from that moment on, like finally the, the devs and the community will will you know get get the remainder of the wool. Um, but what what's the purpose of that wool at that point? Because you can get more sheep, I guess, but sheep don't generate wool. So what's happening there? Yeah, so the interesting thing is that the game is... its You can almost think of wolf game as like a bootstrapping mechanism, right? For games, right? Because now you've bootstrapped with this almost ponzinomic type structure, right? And now you've got like a lot of player interest. And then you it's up to you to kind of define you to define with the community where the game goes from there with the current funds. And you can always introduce new ways to get wool as a dev. You can also always introduce new ways mm. to get rid of wool as a dev, right? Yeah. So now, for example, instead of saying, I want to mint more sheep, this wool uh, can um, you know, give me crafting materials to create some equipment for my sheep or something like that, right? Some harnesses. So I think Owen maybe can add more color on wolf, wool pouches here. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. So I think uh, yeah. Uh, so wool pouches are basically a it's a, it's an emergency <laughs> procedure. So what what happened is um, Wolf Game came out 19th of November. Um, Beanie Max uh, Max at Beanie Maxi Beanie uh, and, and Gary V Twitter. So these two guys uh, invested heavily, pump it up. Um, and then everyone got everyone excited. So everyone started buying sheep, right? So everyone started buying sheep, which means wool price went up, which, which means sheep price went up, and then it goes in a constant. So this happened for five days. And in that five days, uh, basically 52 million in transactions uh, was generated. Five days, 52 million. And uh, so, but this is a smart contract uh, game. So if the smart contract has a problem, the whole game stops. So the smart contract, the smart contract had a problem. Uh, someone posted the problem on Twitter, uh, f- I think five days later, uh, of like 24, of, uh, around 24 or 22. And they basically stopped the game. So you can't generate more wool. Uh, all the game, uh, all, all the wolves, uh, all the sheep that are stake, they're, they're, they're there. So the game is paused. Uh, because the devs have to fix uh, the problem. And the problem was someone found an exploit. Can, yeah. Before we go into that, I'm just curious yeah. to understand. So one of the things I thought I understood of blockchain games is that a blockchain game is a smart contract and you can't really stop it. So what do you mean when you say like the game is put on pause? Um, like, h- how does that work? So yeah, um, things are on smart contracts. So like, recall that like smart contracts suggest, you know, um, bits of code that devs write, right? And, uh, you know, these these bits of code, they will execute um, whatever you kind of interact, them, interact with them, whatever you put into them, right? Um, so in this case, the devs could put like a freeze function, right? Just like okay. in, in certain stablecoin contracts here, if you find like destroy or freeze other people's stablecoins. Um, so you gotta, you know, when you when you read the the ERC twenty uh, contract or ERC seventy twenty one contract, they can introduce, you know, new functions that would affect how one can interact with that token. And so in this case, um, the devs have chosen to include a freeze function, um, a pause function, and therefore have enabled that pause function due to the discovery of an exploit. So uh, there is a possibility there for that, and then you know they they proceed to do a migration. So that 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 is that's interesting, right? Because now you have this idea of like open permissionless, and it is open permissionless. The entire idea of that is that you can read and see everything, and you can check yourself. So the entire idea is don't trust but verify, right? But there's still a kill switch that can be built in that can only be accessed by certain wallets, uh, you know, owned by certain people. Um, yep. And so basically, when when assessing to, you know, 
put like ape into a game, I guess these are things that potentially you should take into account. Yes, exactly. In an ideal world, everybody would, uh, you know, read the, read down to the ERC20 and ERC721s before clicking the min button so they don't have a yes. chance of losing all their money. Right? But, but while you're reading, someone else is aping in, minting everything yeah. in front of you and you're missing out. So yeah. these, these dynamics are... Oh, these are, these are very, it. very adversarial dynamics. And speaking of yeah, that man. adversarial dynamics and mechanics, I'd love to like continue explaining the rest of the base wolf game and then we can kind of jump back to, to this conversation. Like the stealing part and such, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's continue. So, Owen, I, I interrupted you uh, by asking, like, how, how can people, um, you know, how was it freezed? Now I understand there was a kill switch in, inside the contract, but please continue uh, with, like, after the exploit. So, uh, yes, I'll just quickly finish the uh, what happened after exploit, and then Ryan, you can just explain the mechanics then. So, um, yeah, because the, the, the game is freezed. Uh, Initially, the game was like planned for the first 10,000 mints, and then uh, subsequently you mint new ships and wolves with the wool. But since the, the game is paused, you have extra liquidity of the wool that is unspent. So there's only a, a few, uh, a, few, a couple hundred million, or like, a, I'm not sure how, gotta go check the act, uh, actual number. Uh, the, from the 2.4 billion, there's a lot of wool that's not spent. And then there's a lot of ships and wolves that are not minted. This I call like Gen 1s and Gen 2 ships and wolves. So right now the game has um, 13,000 um, plus ships and wolves, 10,000 Gen 0s and 3,000 plus Gen 1s. 3,809. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What is... What generation. Is, um, so yeah, the generation. Can you explain it yeah. a bit? I'm, I'm so not sure I follow. The generation 1 uh, sheep are the ones that, in, that are minted with using ETH. So... We call ten thousand, right? And then the yeah. the next ten thousand were the ones that cost wool to mint. But okay. at that time, um, they discovered the exploit and had to freeze the, so there are no longer any more sheep or wolves that yeah. could be minted. Yeah. yeah. So and okay. Originally, you stake your sheep to get the wool, but now since um, there's not enough sheep to get wool to 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 get the free ERC twenty tokens, so they have to distribute the wool somehow, and that's where the wool pouches comes in from the 2.4 billion minus um, whatever amount they, that, they, that they've spent, they still need to distribute the 2.4 billion. And that's, I think that's where the wool pouches mechanic came in to distribute that. And uh, Ryan, do you know the mechanic for that? The wool pouch distribution. Okay, so, 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 so previously you just stake um, the sheeps to get the, the wool. Now, um, I think with the wool pouches, there's a new, the dev developers implemented yep. a new mechanic into the game, which was unplanned for. They said, like, okay, this is a, you know, we need to distribute this. We need to uh, find a new mechanic to distribute this. But this is, uh, I think this is actually a pretty, pretty confusing way to do it. <laughs> yeah, if, 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 if you look at the white paper. Maybe we should finish the white paper 1.0 first on yeah. this side. Yeah, okay. Because the good. entire like split steel dynamics is interesting to go into. Yeah. And then we can talk about like the wool pouches and the, the risky game thing, right? Yeah. Okay, so you have game game 1.0 and then the pouches is part of the next iteration that was that came after the the freeze, basically. Yeah. So you can think post-freeze, pre-freeze. Yeah. Pre okay, so, let's go continue. So yeah. game pre-freeze, what are we missing? Yeah, the game pre-freeze, uh so they claim to be the first game uh, where ERC-20s and 721s, so ERC-20s are the token wool, and ERC-721s are your NFTs, right? So the sheep and the wolves. They claim that this is the first game where they can be stolen or adversarial dynamics between, uh, between players, right? So when the first wolf is staked, now the risk profile of minting new characters actually changes, right? So the moment a wolf is, is introduced into the game, Whenever a new character is minted, there is a C percent chance, C is a variable here, that the new character is stolen by staked wolf. So you mint a character and you know a, a wolf, the person who owns the wolf actually steals your your character, which is a scary thing. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the chance is 10%, right? Additionally, players begin to pay taxes of 20% on harvesting or shearing wool so uh, to and that's evenly distributed amongst the wolves, right? So whenever you collect your wool, that goes to wolves. So whenever a sheep is unstaked as well, so you, you, have, you have to stake 
and there's this idea of it entering a barn to, you know, you push it into the barn, um, and then it's locked up and it generates wool for you, right? But when you take it out of the barn and it leaves the barn, there's an e percent chance, a ten percent chance that the wolves can steal all this accumulated wool as well, which is horrific. <laughs> yeah, considering how much money that could be. So there's a percent chance that the wolves can steal its wool, and the stake has to be, uh, sorry, the sheep has to be staked for at least two days. Right. So there's those are all like soft variables that are included in the in the spawn contract. Can I can I just summarize to see if I understand it correctly? Yep. So basically if you buy a new you know, either sheep or wolf, so basically you pay ten thousand wolves, you bull uh, wool, and so you have ten percent chance to like literally get nothing in return. Yeah, literally get and nothing. What, in let, let, let's say you you mint like you could pay Eve and get nothing in return. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. That that was in the first ten thousand. Okay. Yeah. Um it's interesting. And so what happens, so let's say that I mint and I fall inside that 10% chance, so I would have gotten a sheep, but they steal it. What happens to that sheep? Is it like you just don't get anything? It goes to the, the person who owns the, the wolf. Or like it goes to a person, one of the people who own the wolf. And they have this mechanic where like each wolf also has a different variability called their alpha value. And that changes the way they okay. look. But it also changes like the, the, the percentage chance of them being the one to steal the sheep or wolf. Yep. Right? Interesting. So it's like stealing children. Yeah. <laughs> so you have like one super alpha wolf that actually has the biggest, like highest chance of actually receiving free sheep yep. without having to do anything. Yeah. Well, there, there's tiers of alpha wolf. Yeah. That's what? Uh, there, there's d different tiers of alpha for the wolves. Yeah. Different, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, different wolves. Sense. Yeah. 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 Okay. Just, just like how you know Delphi gives the highest alpha <laughs> in the game. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to Delphi Pro. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, Ryan's just here to chill, chill his company. Yeah. Um, so okay, th th that I get. So the the minting part I understand. It's it's very interesting. Then there's the tax that you pay. So basically, I have a sheep. I put it inside the barn. Putting it inside the barn locks it up for two days. Um, also, it's putting it in a safe, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but twenty percent of all the wool that gets generated. So basically, it's two thousand wool mm -hmm. per day, right? Ten thousand per day. Um, gets distributed over the mm -hmm. wolves. Is that, again, equally, or is it depending on the alpha value? Yep, it's proportional to their alpha scores. And the wolves also okay. have to be staked, right? So ah, okay. here it says that wolves take a guaranteed 20% tax on sheared wool. And they have this entire skinning around there, or they're like, wolves have a deal where they don't attack the barn, you know? Yeah, kind of like in Arcane, right? They have a deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big up Arcane. It's interesting. Yeah, so that's, that's uh that's the base game, right? Okay, and wait, because I mix I I missed one of the mechanics. So that's when you unstake a sheep. So basically, you're staking sheep. You're earning wool. Let's say you're you think that the wool price is too low. You want to unstake to sell your sheep, and then there's a chance that that gets stolen again. Is that fifty percent chance? Five zero. Yeah. Fifty percent so chance. Five zero. Excellent ponzinomics. Yeah. Excellent okay. ponzinomics. Stake forever. If not, you lose your money. Right, yeah, it's yeah. really playing on the behavioral economics of uh sort of principle of like loss aversion, right? Yeah, yeah like how yeah, bad yeah. it feels to lose things. Yeah, it's it's like uh it's like ohm basically. It's like if everyone stakes, everything is fine, you know? Yeah, um, everyone stakes, yeah. everything's good. Don't rock yeah. the boat. Yeah, and it's really yeah. interesting. I think it's gonna be like a fascinating kind of study for for like people who are interested in like behavioral economics, right? Like when the bear market happens, all of this data about how players and people have interacted with their real money. Is actually on chain, and you can go back and you can go and look look at all the decisions that players have made, um, and you can see like, well, actually, loss aversion as a theory is true X Y Z, or you know, it's you know um, not true because this, right? And you can formulate some hypotheses to test around like loss aversion, just by looking at this risk protocol. So I, I found that really really innovative and interesting, wow, and yeah. uh, maybe that's a bad market that. master's thesis right there. What's up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's really that, fascinating. That's uh, yeah, that's that's very interesting. Um, so so why why I found Wolf Game really interesting uh, to study and as an example of GameFi, right? I think Wolf Game is really a pure example of GameFi and it's on chain as well, which is super cool. Um, it's really allowing players to attain a financial edge, right, based on their level of risk, so they can study the amount of risk that other people are playing, and they make an intelligent choice about what actions to perform. So maybe they could be the ones um, they can play with their own level of risk, right? So do they want to pay tax? Do they want to stay liquid on the market and unstake and then sort of sell accordingly based on like how other players are playing? So do they want to take a chance to keep all the wool or do they want to lose all their wool by un unstaking it? 
do they want to be a market maker with the wool that they have? Or do they want to sort of trade that into ETH and then buy sheep, many, many sheep, and then sell that later? Do they want to be a, a, a baron or, or sort of a, how do you say, person who monopolizes the wool market, right? So there's so many different ways to play this. Um, or you just want to sort of rest invest and hold wolves the whole way. So there's like many different mm-hmm. uh, sort of risk appetites that players can have coming to the game, right? And sort of playing around with it. And it's, I think, much more of a game in the sense of a game theory than it is in the sense of a video game, oh, right? Gambling. So gambling that's game. A, that's a big difference. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, is, isn't that just nah? Nah, I won't say it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe it's a, a positive sum gambling game. Yeah, maybe it is because. Yeah. Have you have you seen a positive sum gambling game? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I play poker with my mates, it's really fun. We all like, have true. a good laugh, even though I lose all I, I lose all the games. You know, I'm a great yeah. poker poker buddy to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, still all good vibes, even when I yeah sort of lose six pots. What's up? <laughs> I guess one of the decisions you have to make as a player is also: Do you want to buy a sheep or maybe a wolf on the secondary market on OpenSea, or do you want to mint one? Getting like having a a, a chance to get a wolf, you know, for mm-hmm. a lower price, I guess then, uh, because wolves are desired, I guess, because there's almost no risk; you get free money basically. Yeah. Um, uh, but you also have a chance, of course, to you know get it stolen away um, whenever you mint. So you know, or you want to be sure, you want to take some risk. But with that risk, you also have upside risk, yeah. uh, or at least upside potential. Yeah, and the, um, the the least risky thing is to have a wolf or buy a wolf. But that mm-hmm. also means that um, that also means that if you, wolves are really expensive in the secondary market, because people realize that as well. Oh, not all people realize yep. that, but they are. They I think at the point they were like more than ten ETH, no? Yeah, a uh, floor price right now is three point five. 10, 10 times the um, the floor price of a sheep. Yeah, yeah. So you can almost calculate like the premium that people place on risk just by doing some cool mathematics. So yeah, that's that's the base wolf game. Yeah. Is 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 it worth uh, going deeper? Because I have a bunch of questions about like the repercussions and and how we can learn of this moving forward with like different games is it worth going into the the next version um like for specific interesting dynamics or is it like probably most interesting to, to stay here yeah i think i think it's more interesting to stay here because i think the um the next version uh the like you mean the wool, the wool pouches i think that's just like um uh their way of like distributing the unspent wool and then the upcoming game uh sort of uh would be in introducing um the uh, land and farmers as NFTs into the game as well. And yeah. So are we rebuilding like a Farmville type of thing? <laughs> uh, um, Could be. By the way, I, I know one person, he's called uh, Lars Doucet, who would have something to say about land. Oh, know? yeah. Uh, yes. That, that's his thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I also have sort of similar feelings to, to Lars about land. Yeah. yeah. But uh, nonetheless, like, um, no, I'll, I'll speak in the voice of, um, game dev and i'll say that like uh while this is interesting from an economist perspective right from a game dev perspective it's like well why would you only want ten thousand or twenty thousand people to, at best to play your game that's not a very inclusive kind of game right it is interesting from an economics angle or crypto economics angle to kind of generate data to study study the behavior of mm. these folks when so sticks are on the line but like as a game um to only have ten thousand people as part of it uh is not ideal, right? You want a game is a piece of software that has like zero marginal cost, or a very very little marginal cost to replicate. Once you've designed that experience, just like movies, right? You can propagate that experience across like thousands or hundreds of thousands of movie theaters. You can put them on the, the back of like your your flight seat, your your airplane seat, and everyone can watch and enjoy Dunkirk or some other fun fun mm-hmm. movies, right? So I I think from a game dev perspective, like having limited scarce items as part of the core gameplay doesn't make sense yeah that's that's just my take is is because uh, i'm wondering so basically i think um because i've had this discussion about loot bags as well for example like yeah. if you want this to be successful why only have eight thousand? why why not way more um and i feel like um there's a balance to be struck between having enough scarcity and having enough supply for the you know the total addressable market at that time. And so I think, um, I guess that 10,000 for the, like is a good number 
for the amount of people that are actually playing these types of games and willing to engage with the, these types of games. Yeah. Um, and so I guess in your world, Ryan, um, let's say that we have, instead of a few hundred thousand people who would be interested in playing this, you have a few hundred million people, I guess then that's the number of available items just scales linearly, maybe, where you have the same you know, item versus amount of people who want that item, let's say a one of 10 ratio, if that's the correct one, I don't know. Yeah. But if that's the case, then then wouldn't that solve or at least just scale up with um, a growing number of people that would want to play it again? Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I think I was being a bit unfair there by saying that because you know, on reflection, it is it is kind of like the, the role of the economist or the game economist here to kind of be able to forecast the demand, right? Um, yeah. Based on like basically prior data that they have around like the type of people who will be interested in such games. And uh, you can see an attempt um, by the Wolf Game devs, right, to kind of forecast like how quickly this Wolf Game would explode. But of course, you, you can't really do that, right? It's just like introducing a new sort of, you know, thing into the wild. And then you can just sort of tweak from there. And I think that's, that's a big lesson as well to kind of learn for game economists and people building open game economies is that like, you kind of want to keep it really simple, but have a lot of different levers to pull. Right? and different variables that you can change. And that's why I think um, in that tweet, tweet thread, very focused on every kind of number being a variable that you can change and tweak. Right, And so setting expectations up front with players that, hey, I can change these things because my core focus as a game dev or someone making these games, even if it's on-chain, is not to you know, preserve the value of your asset. I'm sorry, that's not that should not be the core focus of any game dev. Right, The core focus is making an excellent gameplay experience for everybody in the game, including people who have hold assets, right? Yeah, so if the core gameplay experience is about sort of allowing assets to retain their value, then yes, you know, like mm -hmm. that, that, that immutable principle can be part of your game design, game design sort of backbone. But if it's not, then, you know, I think the change should be in service of the game and not the other way around. Right, so that's mm -hmm. my take on some of these play-to-earn games, and that's what we really do see with a lot of these traditional AA game devs, or um, you know, sort of games teams from the mobile gaming world coming into crypto, coming into blockchain, and building with us in Web3. Right, uh, we see that they want to use blockchain in service of their games. So that's kind of a, a digression on on game design, mm. um, but and sort of the, the 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 thought process of game developers, but yeah just a core focus being the gameplay experience of the end user, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. It, it's interesting that for now, most of the successful um, crypto games I've seen, and I mean, I we have, you know, Axie Infinity and, and Wolf Game and maybe a handful of others. It feels like the economic element is inherently tied into the gameplay. There's like almost no way to distinguish them. Like half of the fun of, yeah. go ahead, I no, no, I, I said, I do, I do have a theory on that, actually. I think it's quite interesting. Um, maybe it's been written. So I was writing about Wolf Game, and it immediately reminded me of X Infinity. Um, just because, okay, um, you buy NFT, you get ERC20 tokens, you use ERC20 tokens to breed more NFTs, and then you expand your game universe to have more utility for the ERC20 token. Okay, that is essentially the same thing for Wolf Game and a certain type of player in X Infinity. So I think that's that's uh, the, the the key thing, right? I think people have identified as three type of players in X Infinity, maybe two and a half. Um, you have the investors who are who are breeding in X Infinity um, and loaning out in scholarship uh, in, in scholarships, and then you have people who are grinding. I'm not sure what you call them. I just call them grinders. So you have the investors and the grinders. Um, so I think Wolf Game is, uh, is a version of X Infinity without the grinders. So you just get free ERC20 tokens. Yeah, yep. Right. And mm -hmm. actually, I think that's, that's how, uh, that's sort of the genius. And I think that's also how X Infinity is growing so quickly because the grinders are essentially a tax on the investor's income. So imagine if Wolf Game, it's like, mm -hmm. in order for you to get your ERC20 token, you have to play this match three game. So, 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 yeah. so your, ER <laughs> <laughs> your ERC20 token, <laughs> before you share... That's so good. Yeah, That's really, really so good. Before you share your wool, you play this match three games. Like, you know, 
I don't want to play any game. I'm going to like outsource that, right? <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't that give, give some... Because I really like this train of thoughts and that's actually how, also how I see like a potential, you know, way for people to... Or a sustainable play-to-earn economy where, you know, we, you have a game and there's actually some skill expression there. So the better you play, the actually more wool you retain after sharing or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but, right? but the grinder's going to win that. Because you can't out, you yeah, can't yeah. outgrind a grinder when you're playing a game. So the investors. So I think I think from play to earn, you have a new subset of players. Actually, it's it's not categorized like um, like you know if you look at game game refinery, uh, player motivation. You have king of the hill. You have um, all these different player motivation. But I think with play to earn, you have two new player motivation, which is the investor, which is you just want to make money. Uh, the investor class of X Infinity and Wolf Game, they are in it to to make money, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> they're in it to make money, but th that's also the bottleneck because new investors they they see this. You know, if I go into Wolf Game now, I am someone else ex exit liquidity, basically. So mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So 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 for bombs. <laughs> for yeah. for this to go on, yeah. you have to. Um, uh, and, and new investors will catch catch on sooner or later. Um, so that's why you either have to expand your game universe to make more utility for the tokens, uh, to increase the token value. So I think that's also where the grinders come in. So the investors pay a tax to the grinder um, because they are, they are, they're playing gameplay, but uh, why are they there? Um, because the, the grinders, they will, they'll come into the game as long as they're making above minimum wage. Right, so mm -hmm. um, they'll, they'll, they'll come into the game and, and there's a constant flow of new participants. And the new investors, they like new participants. They like growth. So that's where yeah. the dynamic of tokens, new investors, grinders, they all merge together and generate the growth. But of course, I think uh, that's still gonna come up short. I think uh, in the Master Meta deep dive of X-Infinity, um, I think that there was this conclusion where uh, eventually music's gonna end some, sometime. I think because you need the, the final um, leg to the stool. You need, apart from investors, apart from the grinders, workers, um, you need the consumers, which is the players, which is the yeah, people who play for fun, yeah. people who are spending people the money. Play for fun. So I, th I think until you have the third participant, I call this the three participants in the economy, um, and then you have the real, the final form emerge of play to earn. Yeah. yeah. So basically, we're waiting for both the Wolf game uh, devs and the Axie devs to quickly change or add some 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 extra stuff to the game to make it fun, so that way it actually becomes to become sustainable. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I think I think that's all play to earn. Yeah. I think all, all play to earn as long as they can figure out. Yeah, they can figure out how normal players would come in and pay money without expectation of gain. That's when it is the real economy. Yeah. Okay. And and the beautiful thing is that all of these you know free to play games, people and you know triple A games. Like premium games already have figured this out, right? They've built game mechanics such that players are already willing to spend millions of dollars, like in Clash of Clans and you know Clash Royale, just to feel stronger in these games, for example. Or you know in Dota 2, people spend for you know the sake of being part of esports, um, or they spend for cosmetics or status in Fortnite. And all of these things um, are are ways that players are already being monetized, right? Or like players are happy to, to sort of hand over. X or Y yeah. amount, right? Over to to the to the devs, right? So I think that is that is uh that's interesting in itself. Um, all those different drivers, you can kind of think about how to repurpose them into a play to earn economy, which is kind of what we do. Um, we we spend a lot of time thinking about um, how do you how do you sort of build these play to earn economies where players are just trading, and instead of buying from the dev, actually buying from each other, right? And then that kind of makes all of the monetization a lot more natural. Uh, and keeps the game sustainable for a longer time. Yeah, so I think I think that's that's kind of like a yeah. I mean, so something we will keep returning to over the next year. I think with all these different games. But yeah, the question is then who's gonna go um, go the other direction first? Will will a game company successfully integrate the 
play-to-earn mechanic or will a play-to-earn game buy out a free-to-play or buy out a studio and incorporate the um, game mechanic? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, very interesting. Ryan, we're talking games here, sir, not DeFi. No. (laughs) That that that's a whole other pon- Ponzi-nomic <laughs> scheme, you know. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I'm leaking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. You know. Yeah. No. I completely understand. Yeah. No. That's that's a. Uh, I really like that. Like that possibility as well. And I think like the, the folks that are able to broker some deal where, you know, they they able to. I think you know, a lot of the there's a lot of alpha in folks who. Nearly done with their games, or you know, acquiring games and such, and then like repurposing those game assets and all these animations rather than building them up from scratch. All these gameplay mechanics that we build, like a combat system, health health bars, and all that. Um, when I was working um, on our own play to earn games, we had to rebuild the entire combat system from scratch. Right? There's no, it's not open source or anything like that. It's not easy to kind of like rebuild these things and think about how the stats function. How combat resolves, right? Um, basically, re-implemented ATB from Final Fantasy, for example. These are the kind of things that you know it, game devs, mm-hmm. game studios have already figured out, like many, many times over, right? So being able to work with them and say, like, well, you know, what if I could take RuneScape's like you know skill system and then like you know map map world and then think about how to mm-hmm. transform them to play to an economy? That would be a very, very interesting kind of endeavor. And uh, looking forward to any conversations of that front uh, if any you know very very cool a- <laughs> what's up uh, call me you can call me too I'll, I'll join the conversation very happy for that yeah. uh, I, yeah. <laughs> call me <laughs> exactly exactly um, cool yeah that was uh, very interesting two final questions before we go well, one final question before we go on to the bold predictions uh, about this game what can Let's say the not necessarily the crypto games, but what can traditional games learn from Wolf Game? Do you think, Owen? I I think I think again, if you if you focus that Wolf Game is is made for a specific subset of players, uh, I think they have to if they can recognize as a new subset emerging, which is crypto players, crypto whales, people who have made money in crypto, people who are native in crypto. I think um, if uh, game companies have that on their target, uh, then, then eventually they'll make they'll make something that can be suited for for this subset of uh, players. Yeah, and they just want gains basically. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. Yep. The the, the yep. key thing is they but, have to recognize that's a new subset. Yep, exactly. Interesting. And and that this subset similar to um, the whales and the free to play monetization sort of model. Right, they have a lot of capital they're willing to deploy, but they have a completely different type of psychology, right? Like this, they they do not like they have earned their 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 gains through different manner compared to like traditional whales in, in games, right? They didn't like send some corporate ladder for twenty years and then played in the office and such, right? They were like sitting and trading NFTs all day and you know sitting in Discord and bantering and uh, getting on podcasts and all these things, right? Like um. So that, that that itself is like a whole sort of new landscape of like psychological landscape to explore and then sort of you know, discover how do you kind of build satisfying gameplay experiences for these players such that they are willing to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to spend multiple hours of my time and a lot of like my wealth in this game just because I enjoy the kind of feelings it's bringing to me, the community feeling I, I get or like, you know, the sense of status that I feel as a whale in this game, right? So I think ultimately you got to understand the drivers and design around those drivers in order to be successful. That's really fascinating because I think in the traditional free-to-play markets, you basically try to make a game that millions want to play and you hope that 1% of those millions are actually whales who are spending a lot of money. What this is doing is actually you're making a game and you can have 90% of your players being whales. Um, and actually, it's only you only need a few thousand f- players to make you know your whole effort viable because they will spend so much money on, on whatever you build. Exactly, and then and then if they lose out, it's like oh, another day's work. <laughs> They're not gonna blame you. It's like yeah, you know, you yeah. roll the dice, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, they, if they lost the wool, they're like, oh, okay, I just lost seven thousand okay. dollars. That's okay. They they just mint a hundred cheap. They lose, let's say, twenty ETH, and they're like, well, you know, I paid I paid fifty dollars for that twenty ETH, so it, it's still yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting to see. So I'm ready for bold predictions if you are. Yeah, let's uh, let's do it. Bold predictions, um, Ryan, you can you can go first. Yeah, so my bold prediction uh, related to the Wolf game, and I, I want to soft broaden this to on-chain gaming, right? Um, would be that. The there I would say that they're really exciting uh, on-chain games, right? Like with you know full-on gameplay mechanics all out, um, very interesting dynamics coming out within the next year. And my bold prediction is that Wolf Game, uh, while having sort of solved for this uh, three types of players: investors, breeders, and grinders, right? Um, or just purely investors and breeders, right? They will find a way to incorporate and sort of pull from these on-chain games. After they've you know published their smart, smart contracts on testnet or mainnet or maybe, and they'll be able to compose that into their games, and therefore they'll have they'll be able to integrate these kind of like really really fun core gameplay mechanics, and core gameplay loops sorry, and therefore make their game viable for the consumers, right? So my bold prediction is that on-chain games, um, are going to be composed into Wolf game. The, the economic power of wolf games and you're gonna see like way more fun games um, come out that address that and you know in an integrated integrated fashion that's my bold prediction so if i understand you correctly instead of um someone building a fun game on chain implementing wolf game dynamics they're gonna try and do that they're gonna not get like a lot of community traction so what's gonna happen is that the, the fun part of that their game is gonna be pulled into you know, Wolf Game instead, where there's already a community, a lot of people invested, and there's going to like grow an ecosystem of on-chain games that are all centered around this this wolf-sheep dynamic with the wool, etc. Yeah, precisely. So once the on-chain game is kind of, uh, all the fun on-chain games are built, um, you can think of it as like application level, layer level research, right? Where, you know, these researchers are building like really fun, um, and exciting, like gameplay purely on Solidity, or like on on chain, right? So it could be mm-hmm. RAS based smart contracts, whatever it may be. But you're building these games fully on chain such that, you know, all of their code bases are forkable and by design are forkable, right? Which is, you know, you don't see, for example, um, Diablo 2's code base being mm-hmm. like out there in the in the wild for you to come and repurpose. Maybe in China. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe in China. Yeah. There are like uh, Diablo 2 pri- <laughs> private servers and Maple Story private servers, regardless. It's yeah. quite it's quite interesting, like the lengths that players will go to to like kind of recreate those experiences, right? Yeah. Like Nostalgias and such, they do it for free. So you could imagine like what's what's gonna happen, right? The the explosion, the Cambrian explosion of like games and like you know these game designers that are coming in and saying like, well, I don't have the resources to have like you know twenty artists or like you know twenty programmers like sort of build out these games, but now I can see and I'm witnessing all these different games and I can compose them. So mm-hmm. they're like Lego. You know, so I'm taking all the mm-hmm. the different pieces of Lego from all the games that are on chain, and I'm just building up this game that I want to see for my community of game players, and I provide the exact gameplay experience that uh, yeah. makes my community happy. Yeah, makes them have fun. Really? Yeah. 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 So interesting. So if you're listening to this, last week we did a roundtable where we co- talked about massively multiplayer on-chain games, mm. um, and so we went a little bit into what Ryan just described. Um, but I feel like we're going to have to dedicate a full Crypto Corner episode to this concept. And I feel like we're going to be talking a lot this, about this a lot more because that stuff is fascinating. Um, anyway, Owen, um, your bold prediction. Well, I, I have a uh, bull and bear case for, for Wolf Game and then a bold prediction for, again, like uh, on-chain gaming or play to earn. So well, the bear case is um, the, the market is flooded with Wolf Game copycat and all the players are diluted among all the copycats, right? If uh, mm-hmm. if Wolf Game is not able to figure out the next phase of the game with with breeders, because now they 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 only have the investor subset, so the the bull case is you know they incorporate some mechanic for the breeder subset, and also they incorporate mechanics for normal players to come and spend money, and then you have a full economy, and that's the bull case for for Wolf Game, uh, and the bull prediction is I think we. We could see um, if, if, if a game company or a play to earn or an NFT game 
is able to successfully incorporate all these three subsets of uh, participants in a game, uh, we could see a game um, eclipsing uh, X Infinity in terms of monthly sales volume within uh, 2022. Nice. I'd like that because it took them a while to get where they are. Um, and yeah. so it's going to move fast, you're saying? Yeah. I think I think in, in NFT and Play Tour and Spain, it's, it's so fast. If you guys seen the Parks mm. merch sale? No. Park? Uh, so uh, if you uh, later... Go, yeah, ah, Parks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Park. Park. Yeah. Murat, yeah, Murat, Murat Park. Park. What yeah, the hell? 100 million yeah, yeah. or 90 million in two days. You know, this is... <laughs> <sighs> that dude is... And, and that's money in his pocket. It's so crazy, that dude. Uh, yeah, wait. Yeah. Yeah, who, who's that guy? Okay, so uh, it's like at P-A-K, I think on, uh, on on Twitter. It's like Murat, M-U-R-A-T. It's, it's like an artist. It's more of an artist than, than games. But you could also argue he has like some game mechanics with the NFT collection, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Honestly, like my, uh, I'll add a bold prediction completely unrelated to Wolf Game. I think the boundaries between art and games are going to be falling away because art is going to be more become more and more... Um, interactive where you you know you can decide what happens it creates you create like a bond with your art um and on the other hand i think games you know given technological advancements will become arts where you know game assets that you own you're going to like love them so much that you consider them the same as a like i don't know mona lisa or or like painting you you specifically like hold dear and you have hanging in your your living room um all right, that was it. Um, I really enjoyed this discussion and and some of the you know repercussions of of both game and what we learned from it. Um, you're two very smart dudes. I look forward to reading and listening more uh, to more of your thoughts in the future. Probably gonna you know have you on at some point too because um, yeah, I like smart people in this pod. I need them to uh, to balance out my my own <laughs> thinking. <laughs> um, all right, so Owen and, and Ryan, thank you thank so you, much sir. for being here. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it, uh, listener. I hope you enjoyed it too. Um, I hope you had as much fun as, as we did. It's probably a bit late for you to ape into um, Wolf Game, but I'm sure that there's going to be a new type of you know Wolf Game out there in the, in a few in the next few months. That's 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 a few every day. Yeah, there's a few every day. Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, basically, um, don't sleep. Spend <laughs> yeah. all of your time on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot. Yeah, Wizards and Dungeons, Cats and Mouse, um, Will Game. <laughs> Ryan, stop it! You know you're you're losing money by working. Please, yeah. No, I've, I've actually just been doing work and stuff. <laughs> anyway, so if if you want to jump on this, probably good if you stop sleeping and just spend all of your time on Twitter and and you know in all of the the discords and uh, maybe maybe you'll be able to jump on the next one early and yep. make some money there. Owen, oh, uh, where would where would one find such twitters and discords? What? Where would one find such like twitters and discords to? To just uh, you know, yeah, I'll 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 ping you separately. Ryan's I'll, very interesting. Yeah, I'll just I'll just ping you separately. <laughs> I want to study some <laughs> dynamics. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, purely as a disinterested economist. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds okay. good. All right. Yeah. All right. So, Owen, where where can people find you if they want to also get pinged for this kind of stuff? Well, well, um, I have an anonymous. Uh, Twitter account, which is not linked to me, um, because uh, yeah, so I get, I think people should find me on LinkedIn, just LinkedIn and Owen. So Owen, you, you can what are me. you like sixty? LinkedIn, come on, man! <laughs> I know, I, I like initially I didn't th- thought about making um, a Twitter account for myself. Uh, I've I've nothing much to say on Twitter, uh, but then I made a Twitter account because my wife is an artist and then uh, so we are making NFT art. So really? I made I'm I'm making a uh, you know uh, anonymous Twitter account for for the NFT artist and then like yeah that's that's it. So I guess I guess maybe I should do a Twitter account. Yeah. Exactly. Make one you're a smart dude. I'll follow you and and you have you have interesting stuff wow. to say. Ryan will follow you uh, seeking alpha. Um, two, two. Yeah. <laughs> you have a lot of interesting stuff to say. Yeah. Like I really really enjoyed your takes. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 actually going to send send an um send an article out from Master of Meta, but I can send it to you guys first. Have a read and let me know what you think. All right. Yes, give us the alpha first, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's secretly that's the only thing Ryan's after. All right, guys, Owen, Ryan, thanks for being on. Listener, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the pod. What do you want to say, Ryan? Yeah, please, please follow me on Twitter. Yes. My my of Twitter course, is yeah. uh, 0XRYZE. Yeah. 
It's uh, no no relation to the League of Legends like League of Legends champion. No relation yet yet. Yeah. So and <laughs> and uh, N- Nico can be found on Twitter as well. Nico V E R E E C K E Verike. Okay, and how you pronounce that? Verike. Yeah. Yeah. but it's pretty decent yeah can't complain thanks thanks for shouting me out and shilling my twitter so you can also follow me i'm not as interesting as as either of these guys um but yeah i mean i do share some memes from time to time and and sometimes i, I think i'm smart and i i tweet so um yeah, there we go <laughs> all right thanks thanks for listening uh i hope you enjoyed if you did you know let us know and share with everyone you can also join the navic discord where you can talk to us have conversations and with that We are out and we will speak to you in the next episode. Cheers.